J.M. in the A.M. Tuesday. Um, the Koren Tanakh of the Land of Israel is one of the most remarkable. I mean, Koren has, Koren Publishers, has provided to our community around the world incredible volumes of incredible works for a long, long time. Uh, the Koren Tanakh of the Land of Israel is one of the most stunning and incredible uh, projects I've ever seen. Uh, it is the Susan and Roger Hertog edition of Exodus that I hold in my hand. Uh, as it says here on the uh, jacket, the Koran Tanakh of the Land of Israel offers an innovative and refreshing approach to the Hebrew Bible, combining extraordinary findings by modern scholars on the ancient Near East with the original Hebrew text and a brand new English translation by Lord Jonathan Sachs. The Koran Tanakh of the Land of Israel explains the biblical narrative. It provides new layers of understanding of the Torah's laws, events, and prophecies by exploring the historical contexts in which they took place. This volume of the series, Shemot, Exodus, features stunning visuals of ancient civilizations, including artifacts, archaeological excavations, inscriptions, and maps, alongside brief articles published for the first time in English on Egyptology, geography, biblical botany, language, and more. By showcasing material that was unknown to previous generations of Torah scholars, the current Tanakh of the Land of Israel provides new insight into the revolutionary impact of the Tanakh. The editor-in-chief of the current Tanakh, of the land of Israel is Rabbi David Arnovitz. Rabbi Arnovitz, shalom and welcome to JM in the AM. Shalom, I am not a rabbi. Just plain <laughs> David. Thank you. <laughs> you got it. I'll blame my staff for elevating you to that lofty position. Um, the, the the work is absolutely stunning. Uh, what, before we get into some of the specifics and uh, what your staff has done, or the people at Koran has they prepared me with some uh, really incredible insights that we will talk about. Uh, what could you tell us about the uh, uh, about this project? Uh, uh, why is the Koran Tanakh of the Land of Israel such an important addition to the study of the Bible? Well, first of all, I think people are kind of running away from the Tanakh. A lot of our educational systems across the board don't get us excited enough about the Tanakh. And if you look at the Tanakh from the perspective of the time in which it happened, you realize that's how much a revolution it was, how God literally changed the ball game in the ancient world with an ethical and moral book that has changed the world until our very day. And um, a lot of that needs to be opened up by not looking at it through 21st century eyes, but looking at it in the eyes of somebody who lived at the time and understands the milieu of the time, and then you can understand really what the, what the difference and what the, what the revolution the Tanakh brought to the ancient world. When did you first fall in love with Tanakh? I, I've been on a, on a path for a long time. I did not grow up Orthodox. I grew up conservative with a traditional conservative background. And slowly but surely, I kind of climbed the ladder, and 30-something years ago, I became Shomer Shabbat. And um, as I, I got the seeds planted in me with my parents, who were really um, revolutionary because they sent me to day school. I came from Atlanta, Georgia. I didn't come from the New York area. Right. And so to go to day school back then was, was, was a real difference. And so slow, after we got married, we kind of picked up mitzvahs a little bit at a time, mostly out of order. And um, when we made Aliyah and moved to Israel, I just really couldn't believe that I was living here. I took the tour guide class, and I studied Torah with some amazing people and kind of built a skill set that put me in a position to be able to do this project. Has the project started with Exodus? Is this the first volume of the Koran Tanakh of the Land of Israel? 
Yes, it is. Our um, donor, Roger Hertog, uh, was um, very adamant that this is what we start with, and also, exit. I mean, Breshi Genesis is pretty scary um, when you're looking at this kind of perspective. You've you got to understand that doing this kind of work from an orthodox perspective is like walking on eggshells the entire time. Will there be a Bracious, a Genesis eventually? Um, God willing, if I live that long and I still have teeth, I'm going to do the entire Tanakh. <laughs> but it's, um, but it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a, really a lifelong kind of journey. The Sim- first one took two and a half years. The, uh, we're hoping to pop them out one a, one a year after this. Symbolically, uh, and as, uh, as you know, reflecting on the history of the Jewish people, it is fitting uh, that any project start with Exodus. After all, the, the, the Torah itself, uh, we, uh, we, we know that there, it, it was proposed that it actually start from Exodus. So I, I guess it's fitting that this be the first volume. It's fitting in one sense, and it's not fitting in the other sense, because this is the current Tanakh, the land of Israel, and the entire book of Shemot happened outside the land of Israel. Right. But um, we're hoping people won't really notice that. <laughs> David, David Arnovitz is with us, editor-in-chief of the uh, current Tanakh, the land of Israel. You say it's a two-and-a-half-year project. I believe it's simply because of the way it looks. The layout is amazing. It looks like so much thought and work went into it. Uh, the the photographs, uh, the the um, uh, the charts, the graphs, etc., are all incredible. I mean, you must have an entire team that spends a lot of time on specific sections and specific aspects of this Tanakh. Well, what we had to do was really spend a lot of time on the design, because whatever we do for this book is stuck for the entire series. And right. so, for this particular book, we went outside for a um, outside design firm named um, Dove Abramson Studios, I'll plug him. And um, he's just probably one of the best designers of Jewish textual materials. He, he does work across the board for all kinds of organizations. And um, we worked with him many, many months to try and get the, the look and feel exactly right, because we're going after an audience that's not just your usual Dafyomi crowd. It's not just usual modern Orthodox crowd. We want to make sure that it, that it goes across the board, that it's, that it's palatable for... Jews, non-Jews, religious, not religious, and also for the current generation. And you notice that none of the articles spill over to a second page because everybody's ADD these days because of the Internet. Right. So everything has to be short and, and to the point. The longest thing we have is a, is a double-page spread, but it also has a lot of pictures on it. Right. I was even wondering you know, how, how it could be called an article because some of it is so brief and so to the point. Um, the, the design is inviting. You open this up, and you are, and and it's a pleasant experience to look at it and to delve into the pages. And I'm sure that was one of the intentions of the designer. Well, we we really wanted to go after a different audience. The Koran Talmud Bavli, which has just finished with the coinciding with the Dafyomi cycle, um, is is an indifferent kind of audience. It's the the Dafyomi guys are going to read the middle section and look on the outside every once in a while. So it's an inside-out kind of study. Right. This is really an outside-in study. We want it to be a coffee table book. People um, look at the pictures, look at the articles that interest them, and then kind of get sucked into the Tanakh that way through, um, through seeing stuff that, that on the outside that, that brings them into it. And that's what we want to do is kind of draw people into the Tanakh by the look and feel of the book. Right. Uh, how important was it to have Rabbi Sachs do the translation? Koren's doing an entire revamp of the, our translations of the entire Tanakh. And so Rabbi, Rabbi Sachs is doing the Torah comp- component, and then we have other people doing the Nach. So it's, um, there's just not a very good readable Tanakh commentary or com- translation that, that, that's available. 
I mean, a lot of them feel very stilted. So I think what Rabbi Sachs with is an incredible command of the English language and also an incredible command of everything Jewish um, gives it an entirely new feel. But it's, it's not just, he didn't do it just for this book. It's going to be an entire set of books, uh, Shabbat Chumash, the, the regular English Hebrew Tanakh that Corin does. It's all going to be the new translation, and it'll be rolling out over the, over the years to come. By the way, this has been out how long, this Exodus volume? It just came out. We um, had the book launch in January wow. at the Spanish-Portuguese Synagogue in New York, and in February it started being available for sale. Unbelievable. And everyone can go, of course, to Corin Pub, CorinPub.com, K-O-R-E-N-P-U-B, CorinPub.com. Corin Publishers is online, and you can check out the brand-new Corin uh, uh, Tanakh of the Land of Israel. David Arnovitz, the editor-in-chief, is with us. By the way, uh, just because it, Peru, and we'll get to the specifics that, that your staff had uh, asked us to uh, to mention, and I'm glad they pointed out certain things because could, it could be endless in terms of the conversation here. Uh, but I did notice the chart on page 74, or I should say the map on page 74, uh, the most likely route, and this is obviously the, the, the partiot that we are now starting, the most likely route from Egypt uh, to Harsinai. And I, I, I now have a Taina. You said you know something about tour guides. Uh, I now have a tie on my tour guide because when we were heading down to a lot, they basically said, look to the left, there's Harsinai. And according to your map on page 74, it's nowhere near there. Look, there's as many different versions of and theories about way we went through the, the way we went through to get to Eretz Israel as, as there are scholars. And you just can't possibly put them all on a single map. The traditional route goes down through St. Catherine's Monastery, down at the bottom of the Sinai Peninsula, and comes back up. Right. Etzion Gever was the time, and it went up through a lot. Right. Mount Sinai, we've got a few different possibilities on the map there. One in Saudi Arabia, that's a big, a big theory that people mostly have, have puzzled. And there's, um, there's, just, there's just so many different ways that we could have gone with no archaeological evidence and not a lot of understanding of what a lot of these place names mean or where they are, you just have to say it's probably here, but who knows? I think right. the whole the whole exodus is probably there, but who knows? Right. David Arnovitz is with us. All right, we go to Parsha's Yisro, which is this week's Parsha, and uh, the article that's written on page 108 of this Tanakh is that the week, the concept of having a week, and in and uh, included in that week a day off, we know it as Shabbos, uh, is a Tanakh innovation. This is something that the uh, the article claims. Um, uh, it actually was introduced. I would guess. I, I would. I would say to humanity, right? The concept of a week and a day off during that week was introduced to humanity through the uh, the mention of Shabbat in the Aseret Hadibrod and the Ten Commandments. Uh, the ancient world knew the sun and the moon, so you either had a lunar calendar or you had a solar calendar or some combination of the two, which is what we have today in the Jewish world. And so seven doesn't really mean anything. With, with relation to a calendar. So God gave us that as a regular um, cycle that didn't depend on any of the um, solar or, or planetary stuff. Right. And um, that, was, that was a huge change. That was a big change because every, there, were, there were seven and 14 day of the month, but there was never seven, 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 no matter when the, when the moon rose and, and fell or when the sun went around, around the earth, or, the, the earth went around the sun or any of that. Bob, we should mention, by the way, the articles are also divided up. It, it, the articles are uh, color-coded to tell the reader what it is that you're addressing. Are you addressing the geography? Are you addressing the botany? Are you know, in, in terms of what's being addressed in that specific article on the page? 
And that, that helps a lot to, to, to focus you. And then also every pasuk has little dots next to it for the ones that have articles about that pasuk. Right. And that'll, that'll help you understand the text better. We go to Mishpatim, and I think uh, you've done something that's really important. You've explained the difference. We always hear how when people talk about slavery, whether they're pro or con, they're always referring to the fact that, you know, that God endorsed slavery because of the slavery that's in Parshish Mishpatim. But uh, the article here makes it clear that there's a big difference between slavery as we know it in modern times, or as we knew it in modern times, and the way the Torah treats people uh, when it comes to the concept of slavery. The, the Tanakh, and the Torah specifically, is a polemic against slavery. You, and if you look at the ancient world, slavery was such an incredible endemic feature of the way the ancient world worked, that making the rules like we have in Parshat Mishpatim versus what existed at the time in the codes of the surrounding civilizations was, was indeed a revolution. And, and the, ma- the main difference is that in the ancient world, slaves were property. And so when you damaged a slave, you paid the owner because you damaged his property. When you damage an uh, Israelite slave, who's really not a slave because he's, he's working six years and then, then going free after in the Shemitah year, then you, you let the slave go. The, the main concept between the ancient world and the Israelite world is the ancient world, where they viewed slaves as property, we viewed them as human beings and treated them as human beings. And that's across the entire set of laws in, in, in Sefer Shemot and also Sefer Dvarim. And, um, and you just, unless you understand that, you don't understand, because you look at it 21st century eyes, you think, wow, this is really backwards. But when you look at it as, as, a, as a change for the civilizations in which it sat, it's, it changed everything. It changed the whole view of, of humankind and what a human being was. And we go to Parshas Bakude, which is toward the end of, uh, of Sefer Shmos, the, toward the end of Exodus, chapter number 38, Lamed uh, Chet. And there's this story there, and, you, and you've actually uh, put this under the category of archaeology, uh, we read about the half-shekel. Many people are, are, are certainly familiar with the fact that in order to take a census of the Jewish people, a half-shekel was used uh, per person and is referred to as a becca in the Torah. And a becca weight was actually found by an archaeologist, which I guess we would say can confirm what the, what the Torah had written about what was used in those days, correct? Well, this is one of the best stories of the whole book. Um, I, I always loved the city of David and was a real archaeology nerd from, from way back. <laughs> and I had listed all the topics that we were going to write about for the book, and we were knocking them off one by one, and it came to be showtime where you had to say, this is out or this is in. So I had an article on Becca, and I said, well, maybe there was something in archaeology about it, but I didn't know. So I sent my researchers out, and there's nothing there. So the day I was going to market, I had a little database of the articles. And so I was going to market rejected, open up the Times of Israel, and it says, we found a Becca wait in the city of David, um, right in the, in the Davidson Center near the south wall, that had Becca in ancient Hebrew on the wait. I mean, this is, this is something that we're, that we're finding all the time. Literally, the Tanakh jumps out of the ground. And um, so I, and then there was the article. It came in. Was re- it was really an exciting moment. Unbelievable. And we, of course, I mean, not, not just specifically for Shmos, but in reference to other areas of Tanakh, there have been other discoveries in recent years uh, that, again, either confirm or, or, or prove to us uh, that the existence of things uh, and prove the existence of different items and things that were used and mentioned in Tanakh. And that must be incredible and amazing every time you see and hear that something like that was discovered. 
Well, we're working on Safer Shmuel now, and we're halfway through it. And that, that's a whole different ballgame. That's um, a lot of archaeology, a lot of controversy in the academic world. King David, no King David, which century, what was happening? Does the archaeology confirm or, or contradict what's going on in the Tanakh? And on a day-to-day basis, if you look at the Times of Israel or Jerusalem Post, you see archaeological stuff, and, and they're digging now in that period in several sites. And so it's, it's very dynamic, very exciting, and fortunately for us, the believing public, more of the um, findings that, that are out there confirm what's going on in the Tanakh rather than contradict it. Uh, now, it's not 100%, but, it's, but it's, 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 it's very interesting how the more that comes out of the ground, the, the more it's close to what's actually in the book. It really is amazing. The Koren Tanakh of the Land of Israel, everybody. Go to korenpub.com, K-O-R-E-N-pub.com. It is an amazing work. It is meant for people all across the board, uh, Jew and non-Jew, Jews of all backgrounds. Uh, I mean, you'll, you will absolutely love uh, the translation, the photographs, the graphs, the historical articles, uh, all the different things that are referred to um, in the uh, Tanakh. And this one is the uh, first volume about Exodus, uh, Sefer Shmos, Perfect time as we're reading through it uh, each and every week for you to get the Susan and Roger Hertog edition of Exodus of the Koran Tanakh of the Land of Israel. David Arnovitz is the editor in chief. Continued good luck. It, this this sounds like it's going to be a uh, lifelong project for you, and it must be uh, extremely satisfying to see the first volume out already. It, it's very exciting, and if you um, read it before your seder, you'll really change the way you do the seder. That's true. I was thinking. That. Hey, can I put you on the spot for a second about this past week's parsha? Sure. What do you think um, uh, with Moses' hands going up there, winning the war, with Moses' hands going down there, losing the war? I mean, you know, usually we're either through miracle or through normal means, you know, fighting battles against the enemy, either miracle from above or, you know, the, uh, or the, conventional, or the, the conventional manner that, you know, God, God helping us, but we're going through things in a, in a regular sort of fashion. Isn't this a, a real exception, a battle that seems to depend on Moses' hands being raised or lowered? So that's a Parsanut question, and this is specifically not a Parsanut book. <laughs> okay. but, I will t- but, yeah. I, but I will tell you that there is an, almost an exact same image of an Egyptian god, and it's in the book, with um, one sub-god holding up one arm and one holding the other arm, and he's holding up the sky. It's almost exactly the same image. And all I can say, did Moses know about that? I don't know. Did, is it one based on the other? I don't know. It's, it's just a motif. Right. From that time period, that, that that is that is interesting. That's all I can say. Fascinating. Really appreciate your time, Mazaltov, on Exodus of the Current and the Land of Israel. And thanks so much for joining us this morning. Okay, thank you very much. Dave, David Arnovitz is editor in chief. Go to korenpub.com, K-O-R-E-N-Pub.com for information about this amazing and incredible work. More coming up. It's J.M. in the A.M. <laughs> 